Hello and welcome to another episode of the Five at the Back Soccer Podcast. I am Charles here with Jen, Scott, Eric, and Skiff. We're here to bring you another week of Premier League, and actually, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of Champions League and Europa League action this week as well. We're gonna cover that uh, because it's exciting. We're getting to the uh, uh, what we would call the uh, fixture congestion part of the year, where everybody has a, a million games. Honestly, this is extraordinarily difficult for the players and the teams, but it's brilliant for us as fans. We get soccer all the time, which is absolutely wonderful. I love it. I love being able to watch a game almost every day, so that's kind of nice. So, um, yeah, before we kick it off, just a quick reminder, Twitter account, at F-I-V-E-A-T-B. If you're one of our new listeners, please come follow us. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you, uh, get input and all that kind of stuff. We also use Twitter to pick our guest picker of the week each week. So uh, definitely jump on and come, uh, come chat with us on there. But to start with, I'm going to go ahead and kick it on over to Skiff, who's going to give us a, uh, a quick recap, um, starting off with uh, something interesting that happened yesterday that, um, honestly, the reaction was my favorite part of it. Now, the, Skiff, tell them what happened. Yeah, so uh, Champions League midweek. Um, so PSG were playing um, Istanbul, and I'm not going to butcher their last name. but Bashak Shahir. Uh, thank you. That, that, that's why I have Charles around. Um, anyways, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a challenge in the middle of the park. And to me, it looked like um, the PSG player uh, fouled the Istanbul player, but the referee gave a card to uh, the Istanbul player. And uh, the assistant coach for uh, Istanbul was uh, very upset, to put it mildly, and uh, let the fourth official have an earful. Unfortunately, the fourth official thought it was a little bit more than an earful, uh, called the center over. And when he was pointing out who should be carded, he said the Negro. Now, he didn't use the N-word. He said Negro um, as pointing out who, I guess, is the identification of, of who should be carded. And the players were upset. And the coaches were upset. Um, you know, the it basically kind of went like, you know, why are you signaling out the color of my skin as to which person should be getting a card? And Demba Ba, uh, you know, kind of at the seems to be in the middle of a, a lot of uh, a lot of you know uh, events in the world. The the famous Liverpool slip, but very rightfully stood up and said you know, you can't do that. That's not appropriate. You can't identify our coach by the color of his skin and was really upset. And the players decided that they weren't going to continue the match with this fourth official on the field. And the Istanbul Istanbul, uh, team walked off the field and give PSG credit. Kylian uh, Mbappe led his team right off the field. So I think I speak for any of us, uh, all of us here, you know, there's no place for racism in our society. There's no place for racism in sports and you've got to give it to both of these teams. They both took a stand. I mean, you know, we, we've seen uh, some questionable events in English football with, uh, with fans, but all these players have been taking a knee for racial um, justice. And, you know, instead of just walking and, you know, talking the talk, they walked the walk and they walked off and, Istanbul decided they didn't want to play with this fourth official uh, still on the field. So, uh, you know, UEFA said, you know, we'll send them to the the assistant uh, VAR review uh, booth to do it. And they said no. And again, credit to Neymar. Neymar said, if they're not playing, we're not playing. Uh, eventually, the match was called off for that day. It was restarted today. And uh, not surprisingly, PSG went ahead and uh, hammered Istanbul 5-1. to one. But not the point. The point is, uh, well done to these players. Um, you know, it, it's about time that we started holding fans, referees, coaches, everybody accountable for their actions and their words. And hopefully everybody's learned a valuable lesson, you know, even going back to us Liverpool fans, one of our not finest hours, um, you know, defending Suarez against Patrick uh, Patrice Evra not one of our greatest moments and, you know, kind of a, a blot on Liverpool's history. So I'm very glad to see this and to see the players taking a stand um, for what they believe in. And it was just a really, it was a really cool moment to watch um, kind of unfold. So props to them. Uh, a lot of other stuff going on in the champions league. Charles, uh, how did United do uh, yesterday? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
before we transition to to that um did you guys see the whole okay (laughs) but the the queen park rangers um their response to um you know when the you know the fans were back finally this past weekend and when they did the the kind of thing that they've been doing for months now you know where they take a knee right before the game starts and i think it was millwall right that you know when the players took a knee they booed and um it was i think against derby maybe is i think who they were playing or maybe derby is who they're playing next i'm not entirely sure but um this past game in a in their their post goal celebration the way they did it is they went up to the fans and they took a knee and they they raised their fist to kind of signify that you know you guys can boo but we're not going away and this isn't ending and it matters to us and it was amazing to see just to so. just to add on to that it's um, just and clarify Q, the QPR players when they scored went in front of the Millwall fans and did that that's, yes uh, to, to show them up. um and you are no you're absolutely right about derby uh, and the reason only reason i know that is because wayne rooney has uh taken over kind of as an interim manager for them mm-hmm. and um so of course his his quote after the game came right out and um i'll i'll be honest uh, i don't know if rooney had a pr person write it up for him or what but um he nailed it with the quote you know he said uh, absolutely unequivocally there there is no place for racism or sexism in in the game of football it needs to be ousted um, and honestly, that's one of the things that pleased me the most about <clears throat> about the response to the game yesterday. You know, as soon as the news broke, the teams had walked off the field. First of all, walking off the field, absolutely brilliant. Stop the game. All right. The stop the show show the people that this this has to stop. Like the game can't be played as, as with that kind of stuff in it. Um, and then as soon as the game, the, you know, the teams walked off all the responses that I saw across, you know, social media were entirely in support of the teams and the actions and, 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 you know, rooting this out. And that's honestly something you haven't seen over the past few decades or, you know, in, in over the history of a lot of sports, you haven't seen that kind of social support for it. And that is part of the reason why the movement recently has been so, so big. I mean, them still taking a knee at the beginning of games means something because it's not just a fad. It's not just a phase. It is, we are done with racism. This needs to be out of our sport entirely. I agree. And I kind so of I have two that, reactions. I'm part, kind of sad that we still have to deal with it, number one. And number two, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there is awareness and it's kind of spreading that that's not acceptable. You know, if this were to happen in 1982, I don't think the reaction would have been quite the same. 100%. I, I think you're I right. Think what, what we're seeing, too, is this progression and evolution of the era of the player it's not just this, it's mm-hmm. contracts and players, you know, when they want to leave, they leave. It, it's not just soccer, football, it's in the NBA. James Harden wants to go, so he's going to go from Houston. The, the players are finally starting to realize the impact and the influence they have. And Mbappe didn't have to do that. He didn't have to walk off, but he's one of the biggest players in the world. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm very influential. If I walk off this field, it matters. Yeah. If 11 players that nobody's ever heard of from Turkey walk off, maybe they forfeit. We get the points. We don't have to deal with this. And then we just walk through to the knockout stages. But Mbappe knows that he has the influence and he has the power. He's not worried about what the PSG ownership has to say. And that's not to say PSG ownership would have an opinion one way or the other, but he doesn't care. He knows his value and his place in in the world. And you see that across the world now is how – sports stars are crawling up these lists of influential people and i think it's great because the the you know the billionaire owners who have displayed some despicable scumbag behavior over the course of years are losing power they don't matter as much the talent is more influential than it's ever been and i'm look politics aside i think it's always better for labor to have more more of an influence and more of an input in these types of things so i'm i'm all for it at on a, all kinds of levels i say yeah. one of the things that i thought was really cool today um and i, I sent this uh, to the group and i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet it out from the the main account as well um <clears throat> the entire psg team signed a jersey um and gave it to the assistant coach who 
um, took the most, like, I mean, the assistant coach actually ended up getting a, I don't know if it was fully upheld or not, but he, he initially had received a red card for, um, for his reaction to the incident. Um, and so the, the entire PSG team signed a jersey and they presented it to the to that coach in, in solidarity, which I thought was really cool. So um, if you guys want yeah. to check that out, go go check it out. It's on our Twitter account. I, yeah, I mean, I think the agency of players is, you know, knowing that they've they've got power, know that they've got influence. And I think that's had to happen for us to ultimately see the change in the game that we love, because if it's just the broadcasters, if it's just um, the owners, then we're not going to see the change and fans are going to think that they can do what they did because they're, you know, that whole like, well, we're the customers and whatever we want is right. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's got exactly what you were saying. I think it's really powerful and I think it's going to be cool to see how the, the sport evolves across multiple sports but also how the world evolves as a result of it so yeah, yep. we're cool. we're firmly in the era of the player like it's social media has blown all that up they have access to the fans they can it, this this is going to be unprecedented across the board contractually transfers trades free agency this type of thing you know there was a point in time where players were afraid of the the repercussions from the fans from the sponsors Charles is right. There's a, a social dynamic. There's a social shift where generations age and generations become um, more influential. But there's also it's across the across the spectrum. I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you remember when we talked with Derek, he was like, I went to talk to my manager and the guy next to me was like, you can't talk to the manager like that. Like, that's how sports used to be. Like, hey, your manager was your was your I mean, your your dad your mom your everything and now you know being a manager is not just you know coaching your players being a uh, people manager and it's managing personalities and you know how how players are feeling and moods and so it's a it's Mm -hmm. uh, of course coaching is a part of it but it's a it's a whole different dynamic and you know you see these players who go to play for coaches and managers who are player managers Mm -hmm. so definitely Definitely an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic shift that we're going to see coming uh, here. And you saw a little bit of it uh, this week with your team, Charles. Pog yep. out. Do you want me to cover that now or do you want me to wait till the end? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, poor, poor timing right before your Champions League game, man. That is, that is, that is so poor. The worst. Okay, so here's the worst part about it. The, the, the real the real kicker is that apparently the interview with Rayola was, was uh, recorded a week earlier mm. and wasn't released until they were already oh. on the plane to Germany. Oh. Which outlet was it? Uh, good question. That's, I don't remember off the top of my head, but that's yeah. awful. Yeah, no. So um, it was entirely intended to stir the pot. And um, to be honest, this is, this is part of the reason why, Pogba has never fully gotten the support of the United fans that he deserves. Um, and probably why he's, he's been, he struggled to stay or to get settled into the team and get settled into everything that there is. And, you know, th- this is nothing about his ability to connect with his teammates or anything along those lines, but the connection you have with the fans means a, means a big thing. I mean, the player, the fans have just as much influence, I believe in, how player or whether or not players play and whether you know they stick around in the club for a long period of time um because they you know the fans that's part of the influence on the owners and the owners hear and see that all the time they don't always listen and it doesn't mean that they're going to immediately the fans can't kick a player out um right away by any means but it definitely does influence the way in which players play and, and how they participate so pogba has been a let me put it this way Pogba's situation has been a drama fest since he since he re-arrived mm-hmm. um from Juventus and it, I think I think Man United fans are done with it when he came into the game last week uh against I'm forgetting who we were playing PSG um, yes when he came in the game against PSG absolutely 
he showed he was one of one of, if not the best player on the on the field. Mm-hmm. He plays the game against West Ham, shows that, and I mean <clears throat> he was easily at the the in the top two players on the field because honestly Bruno Fernandez came on at halftime of that game and was just insane. Um, so Bruno Bruno was right up there with him against West Ham. He doesn't start against against Red Bull Leipzig because of this 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 turmoil this this news of him wanting to leave again through his agent um comes on in the second half and he's easily one of the best players on the field and shows it immediately but he doesn't do that all the time he doesn't there's there's been so many times where he starts a game and and 60 minutes in you're like where's Pogba has he even touched the ball yet has, has he done anything and his languid style of play very very similar to Dimitar Berbatov People loved Berbatov because he was an effective player, but there was constant, constant, constant gripe about the way that he didn't seem to hustle. He didn't seem to work very hard. And that's also been one of the bigger complaints with Pogba is sometimes he looks super lazy on the field and it's, it's his style of running. It's his style of movement. And, and it doesn't match some of the other uh, you know, people on the field and the, and the seemingly hard work that they put, put in, you know, the, the running of Fred and McTominay is extremely hard and labored and it looks like they're working really hard, even when they're maybe not being as effective as they should be. Pogba can be effective without looking like he's working that hard. But that lazy style, that lazy appearance doesn't work well when you're not performing. If you're performing, nobody, nobody cares what your style looks like. If you're, if you're, I mean, if so you, it looks, if, go ahead. I was going to say, like, it looks effortless as opposed to lazy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he magically steps in, wins a ball, cuts past the defender and hits a 70 yard ball on a dime to, to Rashford and who's in that you're like, okay, Pogba can do whatever he wants. He's doing what we need him to do. But when he's not winning that ball or he wins that ball and immediately gets dispossessed and they score right away because it was in the middle of the park or, or you know, in, in our, the middle of our defensive third, then you're like, what are you doing? You're not even trying. And so he's always had this contentious relationship. Um, and, you know, you come out with the news of he wants to leave. He's not settled. He's not having fun. Right as we're on a four, five game win streak, you're like, what are you doing? Like, what's the point of releasing that information now? So you think that except was intentional? To, yeah. Except to the on, on Ryo, you think it was Raiola and Pogba signing off on it was released, not a, a crap move by the outlet. Correct. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that they have full control over when that was released. I think that was a plan. That's well, that's nobody can figure that out because Mino Raiola is um, he's one of the shadiest man or uh, uh, agents that there is exists. And I mean, that's exactly what Sir Alex Ferguson said about him. They're like, he said about Paul Pogba. He's like, Paul is a brilliant player with one of the worst uh, agents you could possibly have for the club. Or in general, up. I mean, Mino cares about Mino Well, but he's—I mean—he's made Pogba stupid rich. I mean, I, that's a very club position to take when Pogba's been one of the highest-paid footballers in the world. I'm not yeah, saying—I'm not saying Sir Alex is wrong, but Raiola has helped elevate Pogba. He's, as well. he's helped not like elevate he's Pogba's him. value, but he's not. I mean, you know, is Pogba happy? When was the last time he was happy? Playing France this summer, or? couple of summers ago playing for France and playing for Juventus so yeah. I mean if, if he's not looking out for his players happiness is he is he looking out for his player so where does he go now I mean because I, I mean it sounds like he's poisoned the well <clears throat> yeah as far as staying at Manchester United so where does he, he go, go back to France he That's poisoned the, the he, he poisoned the well and he salted the fields man that dude is out <laughs> yeah. I mean there's there is to go there's no coming there, back there's nowhere mean, to go there's That's nowhere the thing. Uh, there, there, okay, there no... wait, wait, wait. There's all right. Is there nowhere to go in any of the leagues? Like you don't think he could he could find a home in La Liga when they're in the midst of tumultuous rebuilding? They, anyway? they have no, no money. Them. They have no yeah. money. COVID, Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona is already offloading assets, so it's not Barca. And it's not Real Madrid because they don't and, have and, the money either. And Bayern is Bayern is scraping Bayern's at not, the barrel. They're well, not going to pay for him. No, Bayern, Bayern would buy six players. Right, who are price. younger and fit in more with the squad. So he goes back yeah. to Juventus with a player swap, but there's not a whole lot of other options, I don't think. Yeah, and could United's he only because he could he go somewhere. PSG is yes. the only team that would that he would go to in France, and 
PSG. I don't see PSG. They, they, I don't know that they can, they would have to offload somebody before they could pay him. Yeah. Between Mbappe Is there anybody and who wants to leave PSG? That would be the. You run into the can you can the two teams that they would want to go to afford to buy Neymar or Mbappe? And the answer is still no. Probably not. Yeah. PSG loves Verratti. Like he is their midfield engine. Their ownership is in love with him. I I don't think they're willing to bring Pogba in, upset the culture and everything they have going on right now. Okay. Um. I mean, I, look, it's Paul Pogba, so he, he's clearly going to have a market. I, I just think that the goal of this, I think Raiola, if this was intentional, and Charles, I'm sure you're right, I, it, there's no other reason for it not to be, is to make it so toxic that United is like, you know what, just get out. Like, just get out. Go, just go. Because he knows COVID. He mentioned it in the interview. COVID is going to impact this. So he's thinking if he makes it so bad, they'll just kick him out, just just to get him out. That's like free said. transfer go? <clears throat> No. And yet, Lone. Lone Mino doesn't buy. seem to realize okay. that we will hang on to a player well past, well past their accepted value. I mean, we still have well, Phil Jones on the books. Raiola is one of your highest paid employees. Yeah, I know. We paid him $41 million for that Pogba transfer. All righty. Well, <sighs> speaking of Champions League, there was some action going on. And uh, Scott, can you uh, – can you – Give us a little tutorial about Spurs Day Thursday, what it, what it's like to play in the Europa League. Can you tell our Manchester United listeners what, what that's going to entail? I mean, I just found oh, out know. that I was about <laughs> to say, I don't I don't know why you're asking me. We haven't done it for five years. They they've been Sorry. dipping uh, in this one ever since the wait, wait, aren't you in the middle of playing in the Europa League? Yeah, for the you've first already time played in... multiple games, but you okay. Well, welcome year. welcome back, Manchester United, after a four week hiatus. So, so this the Europa well, League is actually interesting. Listen to the sass. <laughs> it, it's interesting to me because you go from with the Champions League, you go from group stage to knockout, and you have sixteen teams. In Europa, there's thirty two teams. So potentially to reach the finals, you have to play an extra two games. And and the way that it kind of works is, I know Charles is like fixed your congestion, and we're gonna get there, buddy. But uh, <laughs> look at that eye roll. Look at that. <laughs> But the problem is, uh, or the interesting part is the top four teams from uh, the Champions League that finished third um, will go into uh, the the winner's pot. And that'll be United, Club Bruges, Ajax, and Shakhtar. And then the bottom four teams who finished third in the Champions League, uh, Olympiacos, uh, Krasnodar, uh, Salzburg, and Dynamo Kiev will go into pot um, number two. So... Scott, you really want to win your Champions or Europa League uh, because you don't want to play a couple of those teams. Right. No, you're right. Um, so my, for anybody who's not familiar with Europa League and United fans are from literally four months ago. I like that. Tuning it two years ago. Right? Oh yeah, with, with our manager. Yeah. Um, it, this my snapshot for you on Europa League. Welcome Sorry. to Eastern European hell. That's what it is. Like you're going to go to Bulgaria or Romania, so you're gonna, or you're gonna, Kazakhstan, some, or, or like Azerbaijan, Molde, like the the is far north. Hey, Molde is in in Norway. That's not that bad. I, dude, Go, it's literally the North Denmark? Pole. It's no, it's Norway. It's literally the North Pole. Like That's Rudolph right. doesn't even like to go there. Um, so it's it's travel hell. Otherwise, it's not a big deal. But it's two extra matches. It's travel hell. It's a Thursday to Sunday every week like you don't get a tuesday to saturday every once in a while like champions league it's just you get what you get so um yeah i, I hope we don't see united because that's not fun like I, I like cool matchups that we don't see very often um we've already done that six one thing like we don't need to do that again so um, never yeah. ever ever gonna by the way listen go. If I'm being honest, we didn't invite you to this party. United, this is our party. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Inter- interesting. United Ooh. were immediately installed as the favorites to win the competition. Not that surprising. Wow. So Europa League will go uh, 32, and then they'll reseed again, and then draw for the round of 16 and proceed just like uh, the Champions League. Um, that draw is scheduled for the 16th which is next week. So we will eagerly await 
our draws and then what Scott, it kicks off champions league in your Europa league uh, next year in January or February. Same, same time. He's February. Okay. Oh, February, no. same time as champions yeah. league. Yeah. Next cool. week is a big week. We've got the, you know, we've got the whole, the election stuff, right? The electoral college meets on Monday. We got the draw on Wednesday. Like it's either going to be awesome or it's going to be chaos. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I have faith. The only thing I hope for Liverpool is we avoid Atletico. I don't want to play Atletico in the Champions League. Reach. That is. Barca. I don't really want Barca either, but. Uh, they don't scare me whatsoever. But no, no. Uh, take them over. <laughs> I hope. I hope you guys end up with Juve. That would you, be a fun match, Eric. When you called them old plumbers, that was the most prescient moment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> like Messi, Messi listened and was like. I got to get out of here. That guy's right. Oh, <laughs> the, the Godfather has spoken. You must get out, Messi. <laughs> uh, or so, Leipzig. I don't know if I want a piece of Leipzig. Yeah, that'll be a know. tough matchup, you know? They're tough, but that that's, that style matches yeah, well they, for they, you. They'll play really well into our hands. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the tactics, but that was what was confusing with me with United is playing a back five with two defensive midfielders against – Against Leipzig, I mean, Ole's had the week. Uh, do we need to? Do we need to have that discussion now? Is that what we're here for? Is it I a mean, tactics time? <laughs> I don't know that we have an hour to get into it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I can probably cover it in, in less time. Than hey, an hour, give me, God, we'll give you I five minutes. Too. Okay, all right, all right. So here's, let's put it this way: nobody knows what Ole was doing. That's what I just. We said. all wonder if Ole knows what Ole, Ole was doing. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That and that's honestly that is the exact same criticism that United fans had with Jose, and why why it's Jose you know, he what Jose. Same, same, yeah yeah he's gone now Jose. he can mispronounce yeah. his name if he wants to exactly <laughs> exactly now there there's there are these decisions that they that people make and we can we can argue all day about the differences in in systems and formations and best players to put out but when there are so few times where you have a situation where you look at it and, you know, like 75 plus percent of your fan base just by ha- knowing the team knows exactly who should be playing and how they should be playing. This was one of those times. Leipzig were missing, I believe, three of their top players. Three of their top players were not starting. And, and one, only one of them was able to even come into the game, including their center back. And, and that's, that's the team with those starters that we played at home and beat 5 nothing. So you look at that situation and you think, oh, wow, it's time to just go and have a field day. I mean, it, it's, it's akin to PSG showing up to Istanbul today. They were just like, we're going to go out and we're going to kick the ball around and we're going to have a training game and we're going to have fun with it and just put the ball in the back of the net a bunch of times. That should have been United's mentality. United's mentality, like what they're known for is attacking football. So what does Ole do? He puts five at the back with two defensive center midfielders. To be clear, not us. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't at the back. We might, might as well, as well have been, been sometimes. Just let you know. The way we started the game, I think we were at the back. <laughs> <laughs> we gave up a goal in 80 seconds. That's motivating. 80. Really. I thought you guys had a chance because Spurs gave up a goal 80 seconds in against United, and then we beat you 6-1. So I thought you guys had a chance. This was like, honestly, I even said this to, to a couple of the other United fans that I know. I said, the first half felt like the game against Spurs. Nothing could go right. Because nobody had any confidence. Nobody knew what they were doing. And it was because we brought out a whole new formation that we hadn't played in a competitive game yet this season. I think it's a good Q- point. Oh, sorry. You were pausing for effect. Right. Q change to halftime. We revert to a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, however you want to look at it. And all of a sudden, guess what? Oh, we start playing better. And we start dominating the game, dominating possession. Uh, we start we make a few extra changes, pulling players. The, the most confusing thing. So Ole played, Ole starts Luke Shaw after like a 10 game absence due to injury and Alex Tellis. They're both left backs. Alex, Alex Tellis was the wing back. Luke Shaw was the left center back. Get to the second half. He takes off Alex Tellis, who is fit 
and has been playing very well in, in Luke Shaw's absence. And then 15 minutes later, pulls Luke Shaw off the field as well. Mm-hmm. So he took what? off Tellus, who was fit, left on Shaw, who was fat. Ex- yeah. Wow. That's hurtful, what? Scott. You just, you, but you look at that and you're like, what, what is the decision-making process there? Like, how did you come to that as a good idea when you could have saved a substitution, just pulled Shaw out, left Tellus in. Tellus has played 90 minutes, like four out of the last six games. And, and we're, we're, we have no issues. We move forward. I think the Jose comparison is interesting because they both have this pragmatic default which is why I've always thought Ole was strange at United because he it would his default setting is to be pragmatic, just like Jose. Like, listen, if I set up and we play smart and you make two mistakes, we'll beat you 2-0. That's fine. It's Spur- like Jose at Spurs makes a ton of sense, you know, given how we're fine with what they want and it's working. But you're right. United is attack, attack, attack. There's there's this ethos there. I know I, I use that word a lot. I think that the, the relationship between the fans, the club, the manager and the ethos has to fit. And for Ole in a, in a big moment to be pragmatic. And when we appointed Jose, I had this struggle where I'm like, OK, he does win. But how much do we watch this game for pragmatism? Do we watch it for like, I know Spurs trophies here. I get it. But like we watch it to have fun and it's fun to win. But I think, I mean, personally, I think that without Kane and Son in your lineup, you would be miserable right now. I don't don't think we'd be able to do this. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to do this. Without most without most Salah and Saudi Omani, we'd probably be pretty miserable too. So sure. fair. Okay. I mean, he wouldn't play yeah. the system that he's playing with that. Um, yeah. I, I think I think overall, I, reflecting, because I, I I've been trying to be more more reflective in in my analysis of, of both the team and and of the the coach. <laughs> uh, the the calls for Ole out are warranted but I don't foresee it happening right now. Um, people say, you know, I, I mean, I think I, I even said to, to one of the people I know that, you know, after um, if we lose to city, it, it's done. Ole is gone. I don't think that that's the case. I think that that is, um, <clears throat> I think that that's short-sighted. Um, and I think that the long-term view of things has to take precedence right now. And one of the questions I asked, I asked Christian and I asked a couple other people as well. Um, and you guys can give me some input on this from your perspective. I said, is this, is what the situation we've got with Ole right now, more similar to the, uh, the, the, the shambles that Brendan Rogers exited on, or is it closer to the year two of Klopp? before he transformed the team fully into into a championship winning team into his team yeah well i, I think if you look at the statistics Olay's actually has a more points or a better winning percentage than klopp did at the same point with liverpool so you, it's kind of we're all fsu football fans here and now we're now on our third head coach in what five four or five years and at some point you have to lock down what you're going to do. You have to lock down a mentality, a system, and then you have to give Culture, someone that yeah. time to implement it, bring in the right players. And it's not going to change overnight. I mean, you look at Arsenal, they're on their third coach. And what are you going to do? Sack Arteta and bring in a third new manager. I mean, at some point, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe they sack him because they're man United and they can do whatever they want, but you got to give him, if he finishes in the top four, makes champions league again mm-hmm. next year, which it looks like a good possibility. Like, yeah, it sucks. You, you got knocked out of the champions league, but he's going to get another year. You're not going to sack him during the season is my prediction. Okay. Listen, so I, one of the, I, I just real quick, Skip, you go ahead. pointed out the fact that United doesn't normally sack their managers mid season. Right. I think, I think it was Scott who said that. Okay. That was me. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, but it's, it, you know what I mean? Like, I think, that pattern I think is, is a powerful, you know, point when it comes to evaluating what's going to wind up happening is if they don't have a knee jerk reaction mid season, he's going to get the rest of the season to see how it plays out. And I, 
I would probably argue that ultimately quality is going to rise to the top. You know, you've got way too many really good players on your roster not to luck into some wins. But how long, how long can you say that though? So here's the thing. I've, I've seen this stat, this skip the thing. I like, I love stats, right? I, I, I do. I've seen this thing multiple times. It drives me nuts. Okay. I know. I know. United's squad is so much better than Klopp's was. And you know that. You're a Liverpool fan. Listen, you had, you had uh, Milner starting in your attacking band back then. You had uh, Skirtle and Sacco in your back line. When, when, you know, listen, you're, you're talking about Harry Maguire, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandez, Marcus Rashford, and Anthony Martial versus Milner, Skirtle, and Sacco with Klopp. So it's, of course, Ole has more points than Klopp did. Your team was cheeks. It was terrible. Like Klopp had no business getting points. But we remember. That team. <laughs> but here's the difference. And I, Charles, I don't mean to pile on this. This is no, the problem. Fine, Klopp, <laughs> sure. Klopp was going to drop you those 11 in. He could drop any 11 people in the world in. He's going to play the same way. Like he's, he's, I know I always bring him back to me here, but he's Pochettino. He's an ideologue. He's going to play the same way every freaking time. And he doesn't care what the, who the hell he's playing, what they're going to do. He has an identity. The club has an identity because Klopp wants to do it this way. His system is what drives him. And Ole doesn't have that right now. And he's young. We talked about this last week. He just came from Norway or something, something Scandinavian. He didn't have a lot of experience. So I think he needs to find that. And I think that his relationship with the ownership and his relationship with the fans will buy him the time. And, and Jen, like you said, United's patience with managers will play into this. And, and also they're still making a crap ton of money. They're not going to be in a rush. Um, Ole needs time to get it together and establish an, an identity himself. If he can't come up with his own identity, that club is going to walk all over him. Those players, it's the like we said, is the era of the player. He's got a bunch of big time personalities. They're going to walk all over him. Okay, so and question, was- Charles, mm-hmm. do you think he has an identity to impress upon the team? Does Ole have an identity? I yeah. Uh, like, do you trust I, that I, process I, to actually work <clears throat> out the way that Scott I want just laid to? out? I want to, and and here's the thing, and this is this is what what Christian relayed, which I think was an extremely extremely good point. That the main difference between the Ole situation at United and Klopp situation at Liverpool is Klopp had full support of the board and ownership to transform the roster and to do things his way. I don't yep. think Ole has that support, and and not from. I mean, I think. I, you know, I think Ed Woodward has said he believes in Ole's philosophy. He believes in the in the, the strategies and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, he may, he may not. We're not 100% sure. But they showed this summer that they don't back him financially. Unless Ole can transform this team, we may never see what Ole's vision is. We may never understand it. And if we go into the next summer and we don't start pulling these targets that we need, then it Ole cannot succeed. Yep. Okay. Which is then then we the the conversation goes back to what most United fans have been dealing with for years and years now, which is how do we get the Glazers the hell out? <laughs> you don't. You don't. I, we need them gone. And next, going back to his week. going back to his lack of experience. Um, you know, at least looking back at Klopp, he managed Dortmund. I'm kind of not that I know the whole history of United, but. I'm kind of surprised that they would hire somebody that inexperienced. Charles, uh, mm, it's see, I, and I, I think um, that's a little bit overblown. Um, and I think when it comes to the experience, you, you you recognize the manager early on. You recognize their ability, whether or not they've managed. They have to start somewhere. You know, they have to get into a. I mean, you know, what did Lampard do? He managed. Derby um, season. Derby County. Well, Ole, Ole had the yeah. he had the interim tag. He got the interim manager right. bounce, and they locked it in. That's the right. Exactly. Thing. He didn't start with the full time gig. So I mean, he had his auditioning period more or less. Um, whether or not he could control the team, and yeah, there you know maybe maybe things are a little bit easier when you're an interim manager than when you're a, 
a full time. But uh, either way, it's it's one of those situations. I, I think that that's I think that's people want to people want to jump on that the same way that they want to think that an uh, a, an ex top player is going to be a great manager. No correlation. Yes, being a top player means you're going to understand the game at a different level. Doesn't make you a good manager. Doesn't make you a good coach. And think about it across sports. Tons of tons of top players out there could never be a good coach. Absolutely not. And then you think think about all the top coaches in in, in college football and and uh, and pro football and basketball. Almost none of them were were top players as well. Andy Reid wasn't a top player. Amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, top players. Eric, how'd fantasy go last week? Well, for everybody else, good, right? Uh, <laughs> so, hold on one second. I, I, I know that Eric's trying to find how far from the bottom he is right now. He's searching the table like he's Arsenal at the bottom, trying to find himself. <laughs> hey, he's up to 24, and he's got a little green arrow by him, so he moved up. Nice. Good job, Eric. Well, he, you just passed Christian. And Manny. Christian yeah. and Manny, Manny's, yeah. Manny's been down there. Manny's been, yeah. Yeah. Manny right, moved let's, up let's too. <laughs> and let's, Manny's let's fantasy this. team is as good as his takes on Twitter. Whoa. That's at C-O-Y Seminoles. Just tell all the other listeners. Just, I like, just I, get I, ready I like for Manny. Come on. Uh, he's a United I, fan, but he's a good guy. Listen, if I didn't like Manny, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so we got a I little movement like in like top first places and second place haven't changed. But we do. So we got a, yeah, let's go with, a, we'll go with the top five. We'll go with the team name, the manager name, the um, points for a week and the points in the, for the season. So coming in at number five, Stedmania United managed by Sion Stedman. He had 59 points in game week 11 for a total of 643. Coming in at four, White Hart Kane, Thomas Sully Guerriere, manager, 68 points, game week 11 for 671 total for the for the season. Uh, number three uh, coming up is Inkhart, Sushant Mane is a manager. He has 80 points for game week 11, 674 total. Uh, Gonzalo Ablando is number two with a special one. He's coming in with 66 points for game week 11, 687 total. And our very own Scott Mackey, well, young, a uh, five ATB, eighty-seven points, dang, for a total of seven hundred and twenty-five. But that wasn't our highest point was, total. It was Hold on, our highest point. The highest I point total to is our very own. Looks like our very own Jen, Jen. Morgan, ninety-three Jen. points. You points. well done, Jen. I honestly don't really know how that happened. Like <laughs> I've had to go back and check the math. Like really. Okay, so I, am cool. I seeing this correct? Are, are the top three point getters uh, five of the back podcast members? Yes, sir. Yeah. No team. Been a little transfer work. Scott, you got yeah, something to say here about I, maybe I the uh, crazy say. schedule? You, you, and we're out of time. Let's you. move on to the next <laughs> segment. <laughs> you, you, All right, Scott, what's there's up? Been a, there's been a lot of talk okay, in the last few weeks about me slipping and yeah. you know who's coming for the crown and I, yeah. I might change my team name to the mentality monsters because I, sure. I heard that I played the free hit I went uh-huh. in I grinded yeah nice you're not, you're not you're not getting it guys it's just not happening okay, okay. it's not sure. happening uh-huh. all right I Gonzalo t- you got this man you have as many tro- you, you don't have any trophies in the cabinet right now it's a long <laughs> season Scott and speaking of fantasy it's a it's a little bit of a weird week uh, everybody who's listening so make actually, sure that actually skiff skiff uh, before you go up and say that I'm, I'm gonna because uh, I've checked into it, it's not this week. No, it it's is not this week. It's gonna be next week on fa- as far next as fantasy week. the fantasy go, go but, game goes. But if you would have let me finish, it's gonna no. be a weird week before our next pod drops because you have to have your picks in by Friday of this week, and then next week starts another game week, and you have to have your picks in before Tuesday. Yeah. So make sure you look at your lineups and the matches because. Before our next pod drops, there'll be two games in fantasy, so lots can change. And two game in that, weeks in that two in that I believe it'll it'll cover a double game week if, that, if I'm not mistaken for some some it, teams. It, it won't. We checked, we, really? we checked yeah. last yeah, night and it they doesn't. adjusted the dates. Yep. So so my understanding is that when we get the double options is when we've mm-hmm. got makeup games. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So like when you guys make which, up your week one, when Aston Villa makes yeah. up its bajillion <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> seven yeah. missed games or whatever. Yeah, Charles, I thought the same thing, but I had I we looked into it last night and it's not. Gotcha. So just everybody check your fantasy lineups. Make sure you get them set, Manny. I know you're bad Friday, at that. It'll be what Friday, Friday Tuesday. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, t- I'm thinking about the time. I think it's what six hours before game time. Is that right? Yeah. So Friday and uh, Tuesday around Friday, nine a.m. Uh, nine a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Yep. About nine a.m. Eastern. So get, definitely get your picks in or get your yeah your team set ready to go. Um, because there's there's some there's some decent games this weekend if I'm not mistaken. Well, we've we've got that some uh, we've got a little bit of movement in the the old pick'em game. I mean, last week Jen's mom picked, did a really good job. Four out of five, Jen's mom. She's got it going on. What can I say? Um, That brings our point totals to Eric still out in the lead with 33. He is the Scott Mackey of Pick'em. Jen in second place with 28. Uh, Scott and our fans in third place with 26. Scott moving up the table. The skiff, that's me, with 25. And Charles pulling within a point. Of me with 24. Good week for you last week. Charles with four. Eric with four. Jen with a clean sweep of five last week. Well done, man. Good job. Coming for you, Eric. Oh, which one did I I miss last week? Do you have it up? Oh, I do not at the moment. I think, uh, I think you picked you. I don't know. I think, I think you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I picked, I picked against United. Yep, you did. Yep. So we got a, we've got, um, things worked. Yay. We've got a uh, a little bit of a, a somebody mentioned it fixture congestion coming up. So we we mentioned you'll have two games to pick in fantasy, but a lot of games coming up in in short order. We've got uh, Tottenham playing uh, Crystal Palace and then Liverpool. Um, so they'll play Liverpool on the 16th. Um, you've got Liverpool playing Fulham and then Spurs. City are playing United and West Brom. United have City and Sheffield. Uh, Chelsea with Everton and Wolves and Arsenal with Burnley in Southampton. So a lot of uh, some big games coming up. We, we want to do maybe a, a little uh, quick preview of, of the games coming up, the, the two big ones at least. Uh, we, you, you talked a lot, Charles. Why don't we let uh, Scott here talk a little bit about Tottenham, you know, give him a, a brief uh, synopsis here of how he thinks that they're going to line up against Liverpool. Wait, did, did you just throw it to me because someone else has talked too much? Also, there did you a- clarify <laughs> to what to Scott what talking a little means? In five minutes, He's Scott. Got you got He's five got minutes. Come on, y'all. I oh, mean, it's, pre- it's pretty. O- it's pretty obvious, right? You're going to line up just like you did against Chelsea and Arsenal, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, but we're yep. not Arsenal, and we're not Chelsea. Well, well, well I, I I don't know that that it's a terribly different um, attack. You know, Werner. Ziyech. Do you think it will another? Be, this is mean, this would be a perfect time for the rock gif of it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, they are who we thought they were. Hmm. It, it'll be the same. It, it's just a matter of how high and how how many of our forward line press and when. What what they've been doing is, Hoybier and Sissoko will sit in between the channels that we did it against city. We did it against Chelsea, even against Arsenal. We play a back four and then the, the, our two defensive midfielders sit right in between the channels. So between the center backs and the outside wing backs. So there's no room in the middle. And then typically we play a midfielder or one of the forwards will block any passes to the center. So all, all passes get funneled to the, to the wings. And typically it'll be a center back making a pass to the wing, which is a difficult pass to, to complete for anyone, let alone, somebody who's playing in the back line for a reason. There's not a lot of center backs who can play those balls. So, um, Except for our center backs. We'll see. No, so, I'm just saying, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to work uh, like all the time, but I would think in that setup of all the center backs of all, you know what I mean? Of all the, the, right backs and left backs that you could potentially face Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson would be the two like prototypical here? problematic ones you'd want to mm-hmm. face in that scenario. What Charles? Yeah, I'm ahead, Yeah, Scott. I'm not uh, I'm not really? super concerned about listen, the, the way the way we're playing, like not not like how well we're playing, just literally the style we're playing. 
where we're going to have issues is if somebody makes a mistake in the middle and Salah, Mane, Jota, hopefully play Firmino. That would be great. But um, if there's a mistake made in the middle or in transition where we, what, where we've been vulnerable in Arsenal, if they had a pulse, would have had more chances. Lacazette is terrible, by the way. I think Christian said he was terrible. He is terrible. He's he basically blew every chance they had against us. Where we'll we'll try to transition quickly, and that's when we can be caught is on the the counter of a counter. And you guys are good at that, so there will certainly be opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be from possession. You're not going to break us down much from possession. Just like we won't with you. Yeah. I think, at least for me, the concern is how our defense is playing because you guys have, good Lord, some options that are on fire right now that are scary mm-hmm. to watch and scary to defense against, like defend against. Well, the, the problem will be is um, if or when Trent or um, Andrew Robertson get caught up field, that's where you used to have Fabinho sitting as a center defensive mid who is really good at breaking up play and would mm-hmm. break up that attack or delay enough to bring people in. And now he's going to play at center back. Um, so that'll be what's missing for us. I think it'll be a super interesting game. I think Klopp will mm-hmm. trot out the same lineup. He'll throw out um, uh, Robertson, Trent, if he's healthy, which I think he is. You'll have Matip and Fabinho sitting in the back. You'll throw Henderson, Genie. I don't know who the third midfielder um, will actually be. Maybe he'll uh, only put two in midfield, but I wouldn't think so because he's going to want to break up that attack. Up. Yeah, I you're, don't know. You're going to want... You're going to want somebody to protect. Yep. I know you, we all love Alexander Arnold. You're going to want somebody to help him. Yeah. Or so we'll eat him alive. Coming so back he, from injury. He's, he's, yeah. He'll play Henderson on the right. He'll play Genie on the left. And then they'll either play Milner, which will kill our lack of creativity there, but is a much more solid, responsible defensive option. And then he'll play the front three. If he throws out Jota in place of that third midfielder, I would be shocked. And then that would be a really interesting game. But if he doesn't, it's going to play out with whoever makes that mistake. It's going to win. And I think it's a low scoring one zero two one game. I mean, yeah, I was think last year. Yeah, I think I think that uh, Jen Scott and uh, our guest picker this week, FSU manager Charles, your favorite, your boy. You love him. Calm down, Charles. Calm down. He's wise beyond his years. He he told me not. He told me not to let him pick this game, and I said, Scott. And he picked a draw. So three draws, three Liverpool wins, nobody picking the Spurs to win. That's just smart. That's just good smart. business. Smart. Some I of agree. the some of the other games we picked this late week, uh Chelsea Wolves. Um, we have four Chelsea wins. Scott picked draws for everything, so I'm just gonna get that out of the way. <laughs> he he's Mr. Draw. Again? Uh, it was easy. City. That's why he got his picks in so much earlier before me. Because yep. he was just a draw. He just writes draw and those, those ditto marks that come underneath you it. You could have done way. literally draw mm-hmm. times five. Like you didn't even have to write draw <laughs> five times. True. He didn't. He just wrote all draws. And then Jen, or sorry, Charles, you picked uh, Wolves. We have, you know, we, we should take one minute and talk about this, guys. You know, it, it's not all about the top of the league at this time of the year. There's, you know, the relegation battle is not heating up. It's not hot. It's not boiling. But there's some, the impo- Sheffield? There's some important yeah. games in there. Fulham? Bottom half teams playing this week. We, we decided to give the bottom ha- half a shout out. Arsenal Burnley. Bottom half team. Arsenal. <laughs> you guys remember that time when you guys made fun of United and Arsenal for being a, a bottom half game? Yeah. You remember that time? Which of those two teams is still in the bottom half? The Arsenal one. <laughs> the one that doesn't have a mascot anymore. That's the one. That's why. That's why they're struggling is because they fired Gunnosaurus. It's like Samson shaving his head. They let go of the Gunnosaurus and now they're in the bottom <laughs> of the table. Uh, so Eric and uh, Charles picked the Burnley. Uh, mm-hmm. Myself, uh, Jen, and the manager picked Arsenal. Your boy, Scott, picked mm. Arsenal. Your your arch rival, it's your nemesis. Pick. It's a good pick. Ah. Why? 
It's a lock. He's right. Lock. I'm wrong. It's a, mortal lock. Old Lego hair himself is going to come through. Wow. Sure. Wow. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got one team that is getting progressively better every single game, and then we have Arsenal. Wow. Well, now, if wait, Mourinho wait, wait, wait. was very Burnley's? complimentary, Arteta has all kinds of ways to play. He can build up a three at the back, build up a four at the back. He can counterattack. He can be progressive with the ball. He, he, yeah. Arteta can do it all. Yeah, we know Arteta can do all these things, but what about his players? Yeah. They can do it all. They just you can't know, score. You know what, though? Like, all jokes aside, I don't understand. I, I think Arteta tries to do too much Pep, where he's like – Pep is very possession-oriented, and – dominating possession dominates the game and that's just not true like con- possession is not control sometimes you are given possession and you are controlled even though you have the ball and that's what's been happening to arsenal like they have the ball and that's great but what are you doing with it and he, he needs to play danny ceballos or they're not gonna they're they're gonna be in the bottom half for the rest Perpetually. of the okay so question about that so the that that understanding of you can have the ball and still be under someone else's control how much of that is the players not recognizing that that's happening to them it's both it's both I, i think that um i mean the the expectation is the manager should be the one to react and uh and make the changes but, uh, you know, the problem is, and I, I talk about this a lot, is that managers are in there. They are where they are for a reason, and they're not going to change. Arteta grew up with, essentially, from a coaching perspective, grew up with Pep. He, he grew, came through with Wenger, who was also a possession-style manager, on the pitch, and then he, he earned his coaching chops with, with Pep. So he's grinded that possession style into him. So getting him out of that is going to be a challenge. And I don't think that they have that playmaker <clears throat> to break down a team. Like Tobias can, Tobias can do it. Right. He, he honestly, when, when he came on, uh, so before he came on against Spurs, it was Lacazette and he was literally hitting balls out of bounds. Like it was disturbing. Um, and then Tobias came on, he got a little bit more progressive. And at that point it was two nil. We were like, whatever, like you do what you want with this thing. And, um, it changed the game a little bit and had he started the match, there were, there were very good opportunities that Lacazette missed. So if he plays Ceballos, I don't really know what he thought he was going to do with Lacazette because everybody and their mom knew what we were going to do, um, how we were going to set up. There was going to be no space for Lacazette. So it was just weird. Okay. Oh, just to let you know, when you said everybody and their mom, like I literally was like my mom, like in my head, <laughs> I almost said that. Yes. Jen's Everybody mom and knew. Jen's mom. Yeah, like uh, knew. So anyway, sorry. Jen, what did, what does your mom think about Manchester United versus City? Or should, should we throw it over to the expert Charles here? Uh, the hell is going to happen in this game, man? In in which game? The Arsenal City game? United. City United. Manchester Derby. Uh, pff, City are going to win eight 0 no. Did Ad, did Adam call you? Let's let's be like honest. Me. Pep Pep's, Pep came out today and said there's absolutely no way that uh, Aguero starts the United game. By the way, he came on um, in their Champions League game today. He he actually played for a bit, um, which means that Aguero's starting. He's gonna start. Yep. <laughs> Sterling's gonna be in. Jesus is probably gonna be back to the bench where he belongs. Um, uh, Mares oh, is going like to have a day. So De Bruyne is going to probably have five goals, and United are going to just absolutely be a dumpster fire. Well, so, so you you only said eight. So De Bruyne gets five. Aguero gets probably four. That's nine nothing. Aguero's not going to get four, man. I don't. When's the last time Aguero scored? He scores more four than on four? Spurs every time he plays. It was against okay. us. <laughs> okay. And he missed a penalty in that game. That's. I mean, you know. That's one of those. That's reassuring. Explanatory Spurs, things. Spurs you know, Spurs. Yeah. That's that, um, that's a Spursy thing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> getting Spurs. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Tottenham um, came to see him. Yeah, I mean, no, honestly, you you want to know what's actually going to happen? It's probably going to be the same thing that's happened in the last four games that United have played against City. It's United are actually going to sit back, absorb pressure, play on the counter, and end up winning two one. Pogba, man of the match. 
Possibly. This is this is one of those games where it's ripe for him to have a masterclass kind of game and and you know just sneaks Rashford through on one and Green Greenwood through on another and that's it. That's done. He's going to score the winner. It's literally going to be um, Arsenal Spurs. He's going to score the winner in like the 93rd minute, rip off his kit, and he's going to be wearing a shirt underneath that says, Rayola, you're fired. I'm staying. <laughs> that would be amazing. You, you know how quickly he would become United's like the United fans' favorite player if he did that? Book it. You know, uncanny. Do you think, well, <laughs> well, nobody picked United to win in our nobody. match. Nobody. They all picked City. We all have no, it was a draw. Oh, well, wow. okay, that's that's we, because Scott didn't know the game was happening. We've already established that Scott picked all draws, so everybody who actually picked a winner picked City. I have done this like four times, Skiff, and I have more right than you do. So, cool it. Scott goes to roulette tables and bets on red and black. Actually, Scott. I bet on I bet on eight. Just eight. Just eight. Okay. Gambling advice. So, five at the back, Vegas edition. I see it happening. I mean, I I prefer craps. I'd be remiss, you know, at this point, without giving a little bit of a teaser to to the fans coming up. We're playing a little holiday special, doing a little uh, secret Santa gift exchange. I think uh, we're going to put this one on YouTube, guys. We're uh, we're going to each send each other uh, a secret gift, open them live on YouTube. It's anything. Banter, a fun, sweet gift. I mean, it's going to be interesting. So we're planning this the week of Christmas. So uh, real quick question. You guys all have in, like homeowners insurance, right? I don't know. Uh, I mean, we know you We know okay. you do because Charles, a car went through I'm just your you know, I'm just letting you know, we literally are like getting back in our house after being displaced from Hurricane Michael. If you burn down my house. Oh my god! He'll, so she'll angry. drive. She'll drive a car through your your front uh, your living room again, again. <laughs> again. That's going to be my first pod from from the new house too. So please just don't nothing yeah. pyrotechnic. I rent. I rent. <laughs> it's Eric. It's Eric. It's all Eric. He's got the oldest house. You can burn it down. Hopefully, you got him. I do. It was made in two thousand seven. That's not that old. Oh yeah, it's plenty old. He's got insurance. I mean, brand new I house. Do, but still. <laughs> so we're uh, we're definitely looking uh, looking forward to that. We've got uh, you know some other stuff uh, that's coming up. Uh, you know, a little uh, Christmas wish list maybe in between our uh, Christmas episode and the transfer window opening. You know, what do you wish for? What players do you need? You know, Santa Claus didn't bring uh, United Jaden Sancho. Are they going to get a late uh, gift in January? So some fun stuff uh, coming up. Um, a lot of games coming up. We'll probably cover that next week. I think, uh, what, like eight games coming up? Six games, depending on if you're playing in the, the Carabao Cup? A bajillion. Too many there. games. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six. So uh, Tottenham and City and United are all playing in the Carabao Cup. So they've got games, uh, Tottenham's got games on the 13th, 16th, 20th, 23rd, 27th, and 30th. They're playing at a game, an average of every three days. Manchester City, every three days. United, every three and a half days. Arsenal, of course, because they're not in any competitions, are four and a half days in between. We've got Chelsea with four days and Liverpool with 4.2. So a lot of Whoa. games coming up, a lot of uh, football, a lot of soccer, AKA. Um, so we're, we're excited to, uh, to be with you here. If you've got, got any suggestions about maybe things we can do, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. So who, who had the most days between Arsenal? Oh, who's, oh, who's, who's of, next? The, of the actual teams, Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Liverpool. Okay. I thought you guys had a bunch of issues hmm. with fixtures. That's strange. I'm sorry, I can't hear you from uh, what, where are you at this week? Azerbaijan tomorrow? <laughs> no, thank you. It's a home game. Okay. With uh, fans, mind you, because we wear our masks. 
by yeah, the way, we played we, we played four games in seven days earlier in the season, which was just training for this situation. So four oh, wow, and ten that's, is that's like new news. You breeze. haven't brought that up before. Everybody take a shot. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> and it will be interesting because Liverpool is playing at home, I believe, right? Scott versus Spurs. So we will have fans unless something changes. So you know, that'll be a, a little bit of an advantage for us in that game, for sure. And by the way, I've been really impressed with the fans and um, the noise that they've generated in small groups. Like that Spurs match against Arsenal was crazy loud for that, that many number of fans. I like agree. you could hear them on the broadcast and it was totally, totally legit and not enhanced at all. I was really, really impressed. I know one of the Wolves defenders, I sent this to our little Reds group chat, that one of the Wolves defenders said that the 2,000 fans and the cops sounded like 15,000. They're really loud. So, yeah, I agree, man. It sounds really good, better than the canned uh, production that they added. That's for sure. Well, I mean, all all, I think we should give the the sound guys a shout out. Like, they did their best. But I think it's, it's just kind of an indication that nothing can replace the magic of playing in front of people that are passionate about what they're seeing and what they're cheering for. Right. Well, the good news, like COVID has been terrible, but all these advancements and like enhancing crowd noise will be great for the future of the Emirates with Arsenal. They'll be able to pump in all kinds of noise. <laughs> so they, mean. they call so it the mean. library for a reason. Speaking okay. of, uh, now I know why we don't have any Arsenal listeners. <laughs> Sorry, Arsenal fans. Uh, we don't have anything for There goes the two we follow. Term. I follow two of them. I think they listen, but not anymore. Yeah. Well, Eric, bring them back. Bring them back. You always can bring the fans back. You've always got the mojo, the magic at the end. What What, what has happened in the world of football this week, buddy? Well, and uh takes us to Italy and Serie, not A, uh, not B, but C, Serie C. Um he uh, t- decided to take matters in his own hands as manager. His, his name is Giuseppe Raffaelli, and he's from Calcio Catania. And it was in the 92nd minute, some extra time. Um, his team needed a, a, a stop to halt Viamonese's attack. So he was in the perfect position as the, the, the midfielder rushed the ball up the pitch. He jumped off the sidelines and um, – Stuck out a leg to try to get the but no one of his his players lost possession. He stuck out his leg and tried to make a tackle to get the ball back. Came out on the pitch and he was shown a red card for his crimes and he was he was he was tossed. But it actually worked out because they held it the slim goal one goal margin. They actually won the game. But this club is actually well known for cheating because in the 2014-15 season, this club um, when it was in Serie A back in the day was deducted nine points after the owner and the head coach back then admitted to fixing games. So these guys are used to doing things. A little bit uh, shady, as you would say. So, well, they should just be Juventus, and they'd be back in Serie A on top of the table. <laughs> I guess so yeah, came right off the not. pitch to try to save, win the game. That's what he did. That's great. That's great. Was he going to get five games, seven games? It's worth it, man. They got start three points. That, huh? Start calling that the leg of God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Charles, take us home. No. <laughs> We're not just ending. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I want to thank everybody so much for uh, listening in tonight. Uh, it's Obviously, it's a, it's a great pleasure of ours to get a chance to, uh, to talk about soccer on a regular basis. And, and we've gotten such wonderful support from our listeners and from our fans. And uh, we want to say thank you. We very much appreciate it. Uh, and if you guys have any, any comments, any input, uh, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to talk about it on the pod. So um, hit us up on Twitter at F-I-V-E-A-T-B. And we will see you all next week.